Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is me again. It is Charles Nash here with your next episode and podcast of Political Theater here with me, Charles Nash. Now, I have special guest today, Brett Cornelius. He is running for Marion City Council at large for Marion, Ohio's um, here for City Council at large again. So I'm going to go ahead and get Bobby McFarlane for Don't Worry, Be Happy here. We're going to go ahead and get him cut off. And again, I've been saying here for the last about three, three and a half weeks here, folks, that we were going to start um, having some guests here on the show. Um, I have made it very clear with everyone that, you know, I have no political affiliation with, with any party at all. I'm an independent. Um, I like to try to keep things pretty fair and, and balanced as much as I possibly can. Um, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead here. We're going to um, introduce uh, Brett, and he's going to kind of give us a rundown of what his campaign is um, and, and what he's running for and what he wants to do. Um, after he's done going through and explaining everything, um, we're going to go through the question processes that, that I've have here for him to kind of give all of our viewers, maybe some undecided uh, voters here for Marion County, give you a chance to hear what he has to say, uh, what he plans on doing if elected. And, you know, if you have, if you're maybe on the fence about who you're going to vote for, well, maybe these questions will kind of sway you to um, vote for, for Brett. So I'm going to go ahead. We're going to swing the mic here and we're going to go ahead and get, get to it. So Brett, go ahead, uh, tell everybody, all of our viewers, uh, a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're campaigning for here for Marion. Okay. Well, uh, my name's Brett Cornelius. I'm a, a pastor in Marion, Ohio. I pastor a church called Gethsemane Lutheran Church. So I'm a Lutheran pastor. Um, I have, uh, was born here in Marion, uh, lived in Chicago for about five years, married my wife there, brought her back from Chicago. And, and she's, we've been here now for about 36 years in the Marion area. We've lived in uh, the city of Marion since 1988, 87. And, um, I decided to run because I felt like what was happening on a national and a state level is going to be ultimately controlled by what happens on a local level. My political focus, I guess, if you could say that, uh, throughout my life has really been on national politics. I'm worried about national policy. Uh, you know, those are all the big, you know, economy issues and, and, um, uh, uh, war, you know, uh, freedom, bill of rights. Uh, so those are all things that are very concerning, uh, American history and, and the valuing of American history. Uh, but I became more and more convinced that what happens on a local level feeds into what happens on a state and national level. So, uh, I started kicking around my wife and I started praying about and talking about running for city council at the end of last year and finally made a decision this year uh, in January that we were going to go ahead and do it. And uh, so I filed the papers in February, got uh, signatures for a petition to run and um, started my campaign. Um, so what do I want to do? I really, I, I think there's three things that would be helpful for Marion. And I, I don't know how much of this will cover in your, in your questions, but uh, my primary focus has been on, on three things. Uh, basic government services. Uh, of course, we all know that we need a fire department, we need uh, a police department, and we need, uh, we need those things to function well. Uh, and I think they do here. Uh, we've never had real problems in Marion with, uh, you know, cries of uh, uh, police abuse. Uh, so I, I'm, I feel very comfortable. I feel the, these things are running well. We have good policemen. We have good fired uh, firemen. Uh, but some of the city services need to be improved. 
And one especially that I've discovered is the uh, city sewer system. In talking to uh, people around the city, knocking on doors, uh, one of the things I've discovered is uh, people are uh, being forced to uh, pay for repairs that are a consequence of the condition of the city sewers. Uh, people are getting flooding into their basements, uh, sewer backup, a sanitary sewer backup, which is awful. Uh, I talked to a lady on North Prospect Street that lost three hot water tanks and a furnace. Uh, I talked to some people on David Street. You know, David's a very uh, kind of low-lying area. And uh, people in on David Street that I talked to, uh, some had lost hot water tanks. When I when tell that story, they'd say, yeah, we lost hot water tanks too. Uh, I had a couple that told me they uh, bought a brand new washer and dryer. And months later, uh, their basement had flooded and it was ruined. So it's all a consequence of a deteriorating system that um, needs needs a little more attention and needs to be addressed a little quicker than the city seems to be addressing it. My second issue is I found out that Marion City is a statutory city. That means although we elect our officers, uh, the, the state sets the parameters on how the government operates, uh, what it does, what its powers are. And uh, the essence of self-government is having the people in any given location mm -hmm. be able to tell its government how they want it to run. That's self-government. And so Marion has never had, in that sense, has ne never had self-government. And I would like to see Marion get a city charter, which is basically a city constitution uh, that spells out what we want the powers that we want our city government to have and how we want it to operate. Um, and then the last thing is, uh, and, and I said this at the beginning that my primary focus throughout my adult life has been, you know, who's the president who's in Congress. Um, those are all important issues. Uh, and, uh, who's in the state state house, who is, uh, who's the governor of the state and, and uh, what I've, what is, something that's always kind of grieved me a little bit is when government exceeds its powers. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a constitution for a reason. We have a federal constitution. We have a state constitution. And when politicians get into power, it seems like they want to do what they think maybe is practical or what they think is good, mm -hmm. but not, not necessarily what is constitutional. And, uh, and uh, to, one example is the red flag laws that Mike DeWine wants to get passed mm -hmm. in Ohio. And what the red flag laws are essentially is if somebody thinks that maybe you're not uh, stable or uh, maybe sees some reason why you shouldn't have a weapon, um, the state can come in, uh, that the, the, any government, city government, uh, a, a complaint can be filed and, uh, you know, I suppose a warrant issued, uh, but they can take weapons out of your home. Yeah. Um, without ever being convicted of a crime. Wow. And uh, that's, uh, you know, blatant violation of the Fourth and Fifth Amendment. Right. And so the last thing that might kind of, uh, agenda for Marion is uh, that I want to see Marion uh, city government stand up to federal and state overreach. Um, now, I know a lot of people didn't vote for Trump uh, and a lot of people didn't want, um, well, for, for instance, in California, it seemed like most of the government, city, city and state government in California uh, didn't, want state, uh, didn't want Trump to carry out his agenda for deporting criminal illegal aliens. Right. And uh, so they formed, so they declared themselves sanctuary cities. Eventually the, the state declared itself a sanctuary state and that's happened in a number of other cities. Now I disagreed with them about that. I think a criminal illegal, especially a criminal illegal alien mm -hmm. should be deported. I agree. But 
they these city governments were able to and state government was able to stand up to the federal government and so i think if they could do it for criminal illegal aliens we should do it for our basic natural rights that are supposed to be guaranteed to us in the constitution mm-hmm. so those are my three those are the three issues those are the things i feel really strongly about and it's why i want to be on city council and and have and uh, be a voice for people who feel the same way as i do Okay, so uh, there you go, everybody. That was that's Brett. He's he's given us a little bit of background about himself. He's given us, you know, his his three key uh, areas that he's running on here for uh, city council at large. So we're going to go ahead now. Uh, he just he he kind of started into some of the questions that I'm going to ask here, um, which is great. So the first one, and I've did. I've did my own research on this. Yeah, uh, we talked about this before the cast here. So my first one goes into the city sewer system that is is outdated. It's in terrible shape. Um, I know you're not the first person to bring this up. I have heard this for many years. I've been in Marion for about 20 years myself. Um, I've had several individuals like like we were discussing before we started the show that um, that work for the uh, city sewer department and. Uh, I, I've heard stories from budgets coming up missing, uh, money that is unaccounted for. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you talked about, you know, frequent flooding within the city as well. Yeah. Um, storm sewer systems, that's out of date. Um, so a lot of a lot of residents, including myself, we, we want to know, um, do do you have a specific plan? when you, if you were elected, um, to tackle this issue, the direction that you, that you want to go with this. And I guess my follow-up question with that is, um, with what plan do you have to fix this issue with what you're campaigning on? Um, how will you, uh, propose, uh, funding to tackle this kind of issue with, with going into the board and, and, and dealing with the mayor as well? Right. Well, uh, there's really two issues. Uh, with these city sewers. One is an uh, engineering issue and one is a fiscal issue. Uh, so to, to kind of backtrack on this engineering issue, uh, my understanding is when the city sewers were put in, the sanitary sewers were put on top of the storm sewers. Now, storm sewers is the sanitary sewers is what's coming from your house, Correct. obviously. And the storm sewers are what's coming out you know, uh, being rain and and uh, uh, and that carries the water out of the city. Our water gets carried to the little Sciota. The storm water gets carried to the little Sciota. The sanitary water designed it's designed to be taken out to the waste treatment plant, and then after it's cleaned, it goes out to the to the little Sciota. Okay. So what happened is. These many, most of these sewers were put in in the 20s and 30s, and the storm, the sanitary sewers were put on top of the storm sewers. When the sanitary sewers started to break up, it started to go into the storm water. So now the storm water has to be diverted; all of it has to be diverted out to the waste treatment plant, uh, which slows everything down. And when you slow everything down, where's that water going to go? It's going into people's basements. It's flooding streets. Uh, so I live in kind of a high area of Windsor Street, uh, but just down the street, just a couple blocks down the street, where it, when it runs into um, Church Street, it's terrible flooding. All the time you get flooding down there. And uh, that part of Church Street uh, is, is really bad because it's coming from downtown. Uh, so that's an engineering problem. Uh, I think there, I think that the uh, there's a they have a handle on that. Um, uh, there's uh, ways that they're diverting the water that uh, they might be able to solve with some reservoirs, uh, like we have at McKinley Park, like we used to have at Sawyer Ludwig Park that we don't have, and uh, that might uh, alleviate some of it. But the, the sewers are going to have to be replaced. Now the other issue is the fiscal issue, and the fiscal issue is a matter of what it's been treated sorry i should say it's been treated as a matter of trying to get money from uh, the state and federal grants uh, 
so that we have the money to replace these sewers. Now, and they, they've been making some, pro- I don't want to say that no progress has been made. Some progress has been made, but it's not. But while, uh, while this is all slowed down because the progress has been slow, people are still losing hot water tanks, are still losing furnaces and um, washers and dryers, as I said before. And so people still have this problem. And that's like a, it's an extra tax on people. Mm-hmm. It's a tax on on the resident whose basement is being flooded, whose equipment's being destroyed. So one of the issues is, um, and this was pointed out to me pretty recently, is that we have so much, um, so much, so, so much of our sewer bills have are in arrears. And what happens when people don't pay their sewer bills is it gets transferred to the property taxes. We have about, my understanding is there's six million dollars oh, wow. of of uh, unclaimed funds, essentially uh, back bills that um, that if we find a way to get some of that money, uh, it it will put less of a it, it'll it'll mean that that's le- that's um, you know one of the, one of the things you could do is get grants from the state or the city or the federal government. The other thing you can do is raise sewer rates. Uh, but I think before we would raise sewer rates, we should get the money that's already owed that people owe. Um, so I think that's a one of the things I would I would uh, make a focus on tackling that. So we got it. So it's an engineering problem, uh, but the engineering problem is slowed down by the fiscal problem. And if we take care of the fiscal problem. That'll that'll move things along. They know what they'll get. They know what they need to do yeah. to get the sewer system fixed. It's just a matter of like everything else in your house. You know, for instance, uh, um, you may have repairs in your house that you just can't get to right now. I I do. My wife and I have repairs course, we just can't get to because uh, we don't have the money for them right now, and it's right. going to be being put off. So what I want to do is uh, make sure that this is not getting put off unnecessarily. If we can, if we can put some pressure on people to get their bills paid, that's money that will go toward solving this issue. It's, you know, and this is uh, like I mentioned, fire and police. This is a basic uh, service of government that you can't privatize. Correct. Uh, this this is a community problem, and it's and the and the solution for it has to come from government, and we need to do a better job of. Why have why have a city sewer? Why why pay a city sewer bill when you're uh, when you're not getting the service uh, for your for your payment? So, all right, okay, no, that's that's fair. I I I get that. Now I want to before we go to commercial break, I'm going to ask this question here. Um, it's a little bit of research I done, and then we're going to take break, and then when we come back, I'll we'll, we'll get your your perspective on this. So I'm going to I'm going to read this off here. This was back in the Marion Star in 2018. So I I want everyone to think back because there's a lot of people who I've actually talked to within the last week, week and a half um, that actually remembers this article. Um, So I had to do some digging, but I I wanted to refresh everyone's memory here. So and Marion Star in 2018, um, the city of Marion um, wanted to raise the sewer rates over a 10-year period to pay for sewer improvements and upgrade the wastewater treatment plant. Um, now, I know they're they're working on, because I've seen it, the construction out there at the sewer plant. I, don't, I couldn't tell you what they're putting in out there, but I know there is construction going on. Um, now, the Marion City Engineer, which was Jim Bischoff, or Bischoff, excuse Bischoff, me, yeah. um, went before the uh, the Streets and Sewers Committee um, to propose raising a portion of the city residents' sanitation and sewer bill by 5%. Now, I have seen my sewer bill since I moved residence, which has been over a year now. I've I've seen, I would say, probably a $6 increase. Now, I don't know if it's because of the area that I'm in here in, in Marion, compared to where I was, or if it's this part of this whole plan that they have to kind of increase the, the sewage bills to pay for 
the infrastructure that they're trying to update. Um, but they emphasized that it was just going to be a portion um, as part of a long-term plan for the city storms and sanitation system. Um, he, uh, Jim Bischoff even went on to say that I want to reiterate that it's not just a 5% increase on your entire bill that I want to get from the city, he said in the Marion Star. Um, he also, there was also a quote in there from the mayor as well, uh, Scott Scherzer, um, now, the city held out uh, a proposed increase as low increase over the time that families could plan for their um, personal budgets for over this 10-year planned period. Um, a four-person household city bill could increase by as much as 30%. Again, I'm, I'm quoting the Marion Star's um, article here in 2018. It says, assuming that each person in the household uses 50 gallons of water per day, as the Ohio Department of Natural Resources says, is the average for Ohio residents. So I'm going to cut to break here real quick. When I come back, I'm going to get your perspective on this article um, with, with what we're talking about here. So I want everyone just to hold tight. So we will be back with, again, um, Brett Cornelius, who again is running for Marion um, City Council at large. So we'll be right back. Uh, everyone just stay tuned. Hi, my name is Brett Cornelius and I'm running as a Republican for City Council at large. I have lived in the city of Marion, born in the city of Marion, but I've lived in the city of Marion consistently since 1987 with my wife, Katie. Uh, we have three sons, Benjamin, Andrew, AJ, and Asher. Uh, I am pastor at Gethsemane Lutheran Church on the corner of Church and High Street. I care about what's happening in Marion, and I would like to see some of the issues that need to be resolved get done. We have a city sewer system that's outdated and is costing residents money. We need a city charter in Marion uh, because the essence of self-government is the ability for citizens to decide what it is their government does. And we need a local government that's going to stand up to federal and state overreach. Uh, we have uh, red flag laws being proposed and other violations of the Constitution that can only be addressed uh, finally on the local level. And I intend to do that for the voters of Marion. If you would uh, consider my candidacy and give me your vote on November 2nd, my name is Brett Cornelius and I'm running for city council at large. This ad was paid for by Cornelius for Marion. I've lived in Ohio my whole life, grew up here, built my life here on this farm. I was raised to not complain. If there was a problem, we'd have to find a solution. I'm not afraid to stand up for what I believe in. So I decided to become part of the solution here in Ohio. Ohioans deserve to have a voice that isn't bound by special interest and political favors. There's no reason why Ohio can't have a balanced budget. We need to protect the sanctity of life, protect the second amendment, and allow the people of Ohio to have the freedom to make their own choices for their health. I want to fight for the common people because that's what I am. Join me as we fight for what's right in Ohio. Support Joe Blystone for governor. This ad was paid for by friends of Joe Blystone. To me. Hey, Pops, what do you mean? What a wonderful world. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. I've got uh, Louis Armstrong here. What a wonderful world. Um, a very good classic song here. Long, but good classic song for the 1970s. So again, we are here. I'm going to go ahead and cut Louis down here. We're here again with a uh, special guest, uh, Brett Cornelius, who again is campaigning for city council at large for, for the city of Marion. 
uh, Marion County. So before we went to break here, um, we had we had I give an example here from the Marion Star in 2018, just doing a recap here of um, a proposed increase on uh, everyone's sanitation bill. Um, this, now, like I said, I have seen an increase on my bill, but again, I don't know if that's because of, I'm living in a different area and district of Marion now to compare to where I was. I, I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. Uh, now, Brett might have an answer for that. No, no. he's he's shaking. He doesn't know. Um, so, Brett, I want to get I want to get your with you know, like I said, you're campaigning on on trying to better. Um, not rush, but, you know, make it a priority to, to take care of this problem, especially with the flooding and things going on in people's homes and in the streets. So I want to get your take on this 2018 Marion Star article right. with, with everything that's in it. Well, uh, as I said before, a city sewer system is, is a basic uh, service. The city has to provide it. Uh, so if, we, if we're going to have a sewer system, it's got to be taken care of. And it's going to cost whatever it costs. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want to have an efficient and uh, sound system, it's going to cost whatever it costs. But I'm as, <laughs> I mean, it, at least it, it, with a sewer system, it's provided for on a on the basis of your usage. Correct. So that makes sense to me. Okay. Um, but like everything else, uh, you want to make sure you get it for uh, the least amount of money possible. You want to be a good shopper. Yes. And I think anybody in city government that's going to uh, improve the uh, sewer system has to has to have a desire to do it in the most efficient way possible. Mm-hmm. And and because I live in this city, I don't want my sewer bill to go up either. But it uh, it takes what it takes. Correct. I think before we. St- raised and I know my mine have been raised I don't know what uh, what has been planned for the future or what uh, uh, the mayor might have in mind uh, for future rate hikes uh, I think before we contemplate that we should see what's being done about these past due sewer bills okay. uh, why raise the rates on people who are paying when there are people who aren't paying correct so okay all right no that's that's Hey, I, I completely understand that. I, I agree with that. Um, I just, like I said, I, wa- I wanted to get your your opinion on it. Um, yeah. So the next question and the next topic we're going to go into is is um, kind of the next, uh, the three main, uh, you know, functions of your campaign of what you're, you're really, you're really trying to stress to the public here. My so, agenda, yeah. That's right, your agenda. So we're going to get into the next one here. So uh, right, you're you're also campaigning on creating a city charter for Marion. Um, you say that Marion, as a statutory city, needs to have a charter so that its citizens can choose the powers and the extent uh, of their government. Yeah. Um, now, I have a legal definition of what a city charter is. Um, I, I I know this might sound weird to to listeners here, but. I, I want to give a breakdown of what a city charter is because, believe it or not, there are some functions of a city charter that I was unclear on. So I, I'm going to read off what a city charter is. Now I, I, I looked this up. The example that I took this from was Franklin County here in Ohio because Franklin County has a city charter. So I want to give everyone just a brief overview of what a city charter is. If you don't know and you don't know what it, what its function does and what it, it takes to have one. So a municipal charter is a basic document that uh, identifies the organization, the powers, the functions, and the essential procedures of the city government. Um, it is comparable to the Constitution of the United States or a state's constitution. The charter is therefore the most important legal document of any city. Now city charters are granted either directly by the state legislator, by the local legislation, or indirectly under a general municipal corporation law following a referendum vote of the proposal by the affected population, which would be the city of Marion if this is voted on. 
Um, it says a charter commission uh, must be established for first off and may be done by any of the following three procedures. Uh, the city's legislative body may establish a charter commission or it may submit to a city voters that question of whether or not there shall be a charter commission. The city council must uh, indicate the number of members of the commission and whether the members shall be elected or appointed. Two, the mayor of the city may create a charter commission by appointing no fewer than nine members. Um, the commission is established upon filing the mayor's certificate of appointment with the city clerk, which must also name the chairman, the vice chairman, and a secretary. Uh, three, the establishment of a commission by voter initiatives require either 45,000 signatures. I would have to see what the number is for the residents for the city of Marion. I, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I think maybe 10,000 people voted in the last 10,000 around. Yeah. Okay. Um, or the number that requires the equal to 15% of the votes votes cast within the city for the state's governor um in the last uh gubernatorial election what whichever is is less the legislative body is then required to submit the matter to a referendum so you you say we need marion needs to have um a city charter Mm -hmm. um now you get elected this is something you're 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 running on, you know, proposing to get that charter. Right. It. Do you think that that's something that a lot of people are going to be on board for? Do you think you're going to have kickback on that? I, I kind of want to get your perspective right. on this topic because right. it's a big one. Right. Uh, it, it is. Uh, it is a huge one. Uh, you know, it sounds, and I know the. Uh, uh, you know, probably whoever prepared this information uh, is very legal sounding and, uh, you know, explained it very well. But I think, it, you know, sometimes when you read legalese, it lacks a little passion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for me, it's something I'm very passionate about because I believe in self-government. Yeah. Uh, uh, I always tell people the essence of self-government is that the people who are governed get to decide uh, – uh, you know, people who are governing, actually the people, get to decide what it is their government does, what it doesn't do. Uh, you know, there's probably some practical reasons why we should have a charter city. Charter cities seem to do a little better. Uh, they're better organized, better run. Um, in fact, uh, about 75% of Ohio's cities are charter cities already. Wow. Yeah, Galleon's a charter city. Marysville's a charter city. Uh, and and they seem to do a little better. Why we are still a statutory city, I don't know. Uh, and by the way, when I refer to a statutory city, what I'm talking about, and you can find this in the Ohio Constitution that gives all the uh, you know parameters of what a city is, mm-hmm. what a city does, what powers it has. So you can read the state constitution and, and, and find a lot of that stuff. Um, and by revised code. Ohio Revised Code, uh, but why do we need a why do we need a charter? Well, we need a charter because what do you want your government to do? What don't you want it to don't want it to be able to do? Uh, you know, a, a charter by its very nature is a limiting document. It limits the power of government. Uh, it, uh, that, that's a, uh, you know, we talk in history, we talk about the Magna Carta, you know, what is the Magna Carta? It's when these, it's when these, uh, uh, you know, the Dukes and the, uh, Lords of England decided to limit the power of the King and King John was, was forced to sign this document. It was the first time that government was limited in the, in the Western world and in, in, uh, in, uh, English society. Um, later came the English Bill of Rights after the Glorious Revolution of 1688, (laughs) uh, which uh, is fun to read because what we see in the English Bill of Rights um, uh, when when it was instituted, when William and Mary came to power, is almost exactly what we see in our own United States Bill of Rights. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, sometimes we think uh, 
you know, the American Revolution was really not a revolution. It was a conservative uh, revolution. It was conservative. It was a actually a secession. Um, and, and all they were calling for early in that war from the time of Concord and just before with all the, uh, you know, stamp acts and the sugar acts and all the taxes that were being laid to pay for the French and Indian war. Um, what they, uh, what they wanted was to have their rights as English citizens, you know, until Thomas Paine finally wrote common sense and they said, Look, well, we don't need a king. We we can do this ourselves, right? <laughs> and uh, so, uh, so a, a, a charter is a limiting document, and what it does, it tells the government what it can do, and that's all it can do. And as I said before, the essence of self-government is being able to tell your government what you will allow, what what the people will allow it to do, and what it won't. So, uh, it has very practical implications. Uh, uh, you know, when uh, your city decides it wants to spend money or when it wants to, you know, uh, uh, whatever it wants to do, is it because, you know, the General Assembly in Ohio has said this is what we're going to give the, the, the state the power to do? If that's the case, then people in Cleveland and Cincinnati have as much to say about Marion's government as Marion does. Mm-hmm. And it ought to be the people of Marion that decide these things. So uh, to, get a, to get a city charter, now you read the three things that, that have to happen, either the city council uh, votes for this committee or the mayor can do it or it can be done by, uh, it can be done by a, a special uh, election. Um, well, that's what I want to do. I, I, I want to do that, that first procedure. I want city council uh, to vote to establish a commission to get a city charter written. And then the people can look at it. Uh, the people can decide what, uh, what they, what they think it should be. And, um, and, and ultimately we'll go to a referendum. It will be the people of Marion that decide this, but, uh, we need to get the ball rolling, uh, because that's, uh, you know, we, we've been a city now for 200 years. I think, uh, 1822, right. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, the founding of Marion, uh, Eber Baker came to Marion and, and founded the city. Um, all that time we've been a statutory city. So I think it's it's time for us, especially as we're coming up on these anniversary, this anniversary, it's time for us to be a be a charter city and for the people of Marion to speak and uh, to, to say what they want the government to be. Okay. Let me ask you one more question, babe, before we go into about this topic here, before we go into our, our last question. Do you think with the elections coming up here next month and everyone that's running for the different, you know, districts and areas and wards that mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to get elected to, we have a lot of new faces. We have some that's trying to get reelected. Right. You, you get elected city council large here. Mm-hmm. Do you feel rather with new faces or current faces, depending on which way this goes with this election for this election year? Right. Do you think that you're going to see a issue or a pushback, depending on either way that it goes, yeah. with trying to get a city charter? Not trying to put you on the spot. Right. Just it, It's just a, no, a question a- that I, I – it's kind of since, you know, since I heard with what you were doing yeah. and read about this. Yeah. I kind of wanted to get your perspective because I, I know some of the people that's, that's running for re-election again. Right. And, you know, there's – I've heard within the city itself with some of its voters, some of them are frustrated within the way things have rolled out here the last couple of years with individuals. Yeah. So I kind of want to want to pick your brain here and see what what you think if this is going to be, you're going to have to play hardball in order to get something like this done if elected, or right. if you think this is something that smooth transition rolling into. Right. I know the candidates in the Republican Party are all in favor of this. Uh, you know, uh, we, uh, they may have different ideas about how to approach it or what the, what the actual content of it would be. But we're all united in, in understanding that this is a, this will be good for Marion. It'll be a blessing to Marion. So, uh, for instance, Mike Neff, who's running for Sticks Ward, uh, I know he's in favor of it. This is, that's this ward here. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, 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 
Karen Falsnall, who's running in the fifth ward. Uh, Joshua Feliciano, who's running in the fourth ward, is in favor. I don't know about Schauber in the third ward. Uh, I haven't talked to him personally about it, but uh, and he's already on, and he's running unopposed, so w- w- whatever he feels, he feels. Yeah. Uh, in the second ward, Pam Larkin, who's um, really a really a great person. If you get to, if, if anybody in the second ward, which is kind of west of Greenwood and north of Silver Street. Uh, if you get to know her, she's a fantastic person, really wants to serve her community and, um, and, and sharp. And she's very sharp. But I know she's in favor of a, a charter. Uh, and in the first ward, uh, we have a candidate who is uh, – uh, he's going to be a write-in candidate, David Miller. Uh, so he won't appear on the ballot. But if you live in Fair Park or if you live between Jefferson and Greenwood – uh, kind of uh, north of George Street. If you live in that area, uh, you're in the first ward. Uh, I would ask you, when you see Kai Mead, think David Miller and write in David Miller because I know he's in favor of of getting this charter passed. So uh, now there's three at-large candidates. There's nine people. And you're right. I'm only one of nine council members. So uh, nine voting council members. So uh, you know, what, what do I have to say? I have one voice, uh, but there's, uh, so there's the, the ward candidates, Mike and Karen and Josh and, and, uh, Pam and David Miller. Uh, but there's, um, also three at large candidates in the Republican party. Uh, one is Aaron Rollins. I know Aaron is completely behind this project. He wants to see a, ch- a charter get established, and he's been wanting it for a long time. Aaron's a very liberty-minded person, mm-hmm. and um, so uh, he, he, he'll be great on city council, by the way. Uh, and then there's another write-in candidate who, uh, who uh, decided later uh, that he wanted to put his hat in the ring, but uh, he's been on council before, and that's Dick Arndt. Uh, he's running as Charles Richard Arndt, A-R-N-D-T. Uh, and uh, I know that he also is in favor of of uh, establishing a charter committee and getting a charter for Marion. So I know the Republican candidates are all in favor of this. So Okay. Well, we're going to move into the last question here. Um, I, I will probably hear in about four minutes or so take my last uh, commercial timeout here or as the late and great Rush Limbaugh used to say an obscene profit timeout because I, I do get paid, you know, through anchor here in Spotify to, you know, to, to sell anchor and Spotify for any podcasters that's out there. Um, so going into the last, uh, you know, last question here that I really, I, I thought, and I felt was important. Um, you're also campaigning on um, covering overbearing state and federal policies, yeah. unjust const- uh, constitutional laws yeah. um, that's taking a toll on American citizens and Marion County uh, citizens' local local rights and at the local level. Um, I kind of want you to elaborate on that, and then I've got one specific question right at the end. If you want to answer it, you can Okay. If you don't want to, you can. It's kind of one of those things that's, I don't know. I, I, I get different aspects for this, but okay. I, I kind of want you to elaborate that on that a little bit more. Okay. So uh, we have a federal constitution. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry that sometimes people misunderstand the federal constitution. Uh it is. It's not just the Bill of Rights that limit federal power. It's it's the whole it's the whole Constitution, especially um, you know we, we we think of Congress and and what Congress has done, laws that Congress has passed that should never have been passed, uh, but Article One, Section Eight that talks about the powers of Congress, and and um, and then even at our state level. And by the way, if you've never read the Ohio State Constitution, read it. And if you and if you have the time, if you're a nerd, uh, and you and you want to do this, read uh, you know four or five other state constitutions. Uh, when I did that, I discovered something really interesting about our state constitution that was written in 1851, 
And one of the things that they did in our state, uh, which is very similar, you know, they have the 10th Amendment, Mm -hmm. that whatever powers aren't specifically given to the federal government are left to the states or to the people respectively. And so that's the 10th Amendment and gets violated all the time. Uh, but, uh, But our state constitution has a similar article. And what it says is whatever whatever powers aren't given specifically to the state are left to the people. That means um, we have, by design, limited government and, and explicitly, we have explicitly, we have limited government in Ohio. I've read maybe eight to 10, 12 other state constitutions. No other state constitution has that provision in their constitution. Wow. Uh, in fact, in Illinois, they amended their constitution in 1973 to say that uh, no, uh, nothing in this constitution shall be so construed as to limit the power of state government. So in Illinois, if you live in Illinois, you live in, you have a state that has unlimited power. Because what does that mean? That, it, you know, it, it, it can do anything it wants. Nothing limits its power. So that's a, just a contrast between, you see how important these state constitutions are. Uh, so ha- having said that, uh, even our state constitution gets abused, and it did in the last year. Now, uh, I don't want this to be construed as to, uh, for anybody to think that I don't take the virus seriously. I do take it seriously. I had, I had COVID last December. Um, and um, or that I'm taking a position on uh, necessarily taking a position on vaccines. I think all that all that should be left to the liberty of each person. Uh, I'm I'm against uh, these mandates that require workers to be mandated. I I think that's a, it's a decision that especially for a virus that that has a you know 98 percent survival rate among the very old among the most vulnerable. So, uh, but, uh, but it should be taken seriously. But what our governor did last year was outrageous. Uh, all of this came up just before the primary election of 2020. And what DeWine did was he suspended the primary election. Uh, the court, the, the Supreme Court of Ohio told him he couldn't do it. And then he went ahead and did it anyway through an obscure revised code uh, uh, passed about the health Depa- Ohio Health Department, which was misapplied. Um, we have a provision in our Constitution, in the legislative section of our Constitution, that grants the General Assembly power to declare emergency laws. Emergency, I'm sorry, emergency health laws. Okay. So... The state legislature, the General Assembly, could pass an emergency health law. But listen to what our friend, you know, we talk about the, the framers of the federal constitution being geniuses. I have so much appreciation for the ones who framed our state constitution because they said that the General Assembly could pass an emergency health law, but they have to pass it by a two thirds majority. In other words, it really has to be an emergency. Yes. And once that emergency law has been passed, then not even a state referendum can overturn it. That's the way our, that's the way our, that's how our our constitution is written. So they do have power, but that's an awful hurdle to get over two thirds of both houses of the general assembly. Yeah. And, um, but that's what our, that's what our constitution required. And instead what Mike DeWine did was he not only did he suspend the primary election, but he shut down businesses, shut down restaurants. He put people out of business. He he ruined the livelihood of of uh, people in our community, even businesses that have shut down since this uh, pandemic started. And it is a pandemic. I'm not, you know, obviously seven hundred thousand people in America have died from it or died from something related to it. Yeah. And uh, and so I so I don't think it should be taken lightly, but uh, that this it, the the cure was worse than than the disease literally uh, because it's impoverished a lot of people, and so you have to you know you have to take those things into consideration. 
All right, we got a little bit more um, with Brett Cornelius again running for um, Marion County um, at large here um, for the board. Uh, we're going to take one more commercial break, timeout, and we're going to finish up um, the podcast then. So stay tuned, everybody. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Brett Cornelius, and I'm running as a Republican for City Council at large. I have lived in the city of Marion, born in the city of Marion, but I've lived in the city of Marion consistently since 1987 with my wife, Katie. Uh, we have three sons, Benjamin, Andrew, AJ, and Asher. Uh, I am pastor at Gethsemane Lutheran Church on the corner of Church and High Street. I care about what's happening in Marion, and I would like to see some of the issues that need to be resolved get done. We have a city sewer system that's outdated and is costing residents money. We need a city charter in Marion uh, because the essence of self-government is the ability for citizens to decide what it is their government does. And we need a local government that's going to stand up to federal and state overreach. Uh, we have uh, red flag laws being proposed and other violations of the Constitution that can only be addressed uh, finally on the local level. And I intend to do that for the voters of Marion. If you would uh, consider my candidacy and give me your vote on November 2nd, my name is Brett Cornelius and I'm running for city council at large. This ad was paid for by Cornelius for Marion. And we are back. We're running into our last segment here. Again, I have special guest Brett Cornelius here running for Marion City Council at large. We're going to go ahead and get uh, Tears of Fears by Head Over Here Heels. Um, we're going to go ahead and get them cut here. And we'll get into our last uh, stretch here of the show. So I'm going to go into my last question here with Brett. Um, this one's kind of off topic a little bit. He kind of addressed a little bit of it here before we went to break. Um, I was going to ask you what you your, your personal thought of Mike DeWine is. Uh, you, you kind of already answered that for me because I'm, I feel the same way. I call him Garth from yeah. Wayne's World because that's what he reminds me of. Um, but uh, no, I guess my question, it's kind of a two-parter here. Okay. Um, and you kind of touched base with it over COVID. What, how, how do you feel? Because um, I, I know there's a lot of people that's parents. That's, and I'm one of them that's getting, you know, flustered and frustrated with not just one school, but I, I keep hearing this with everybody with the mask mandates and, and schools. Um, I hear this from my own children where it's, it's becoming a, a, an issue with small children who, like my middle daughter, she's in kindergarten, for mm -hmm. example. She's having a hard time just being able to understand what the teacher is saying. Mm -hmm. Um kids are having a, a really tough time with this. I know it's all over the place, but here in Marion County, and I'm running into parents that's that's having the same issue. You know, to me, when I was a kid, you had to be able to see facial expressions, the mouth movement yeah. of, of your educator, um, especially with kids that are learning how to read. Right. You know, my, my daughter, my middle daughter's five. She's, she's trying to learn how to read. It's difficult for kids to pick up these learning concepts right. with masks on their face. Right. Now, almost every school, not just River Valley, where my kids go, almost every school here in, in Marion, the city of Marion, have enforced mask mandates on on kids. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get your perspective on that, you know, talking about federal overreach and everything uh, at federal and state level. Um, and I guess my very last question to go, go beside that is, um, now, I have thrown out my my political hat for Joe Blystone. Mm -hmm. um, I have made that public to everybody. I'm actually even campaigning for him. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of wanted to ask you if you had any idea on who you planned on, you know, casting your vote for for next year to hopefully 
oust DeWine. Yeah. Uh, I would, I, I'm voting for Joe Blystone okay. because he seems to be the most liberty-minded candidate. I've been frustrated with Mike DeWine for years, but I voted for him because I thought he was the lesser of two evils. But Mike DeWine has never been a liberty candidate. Uh, I agreed with him on abortion, uh, and I agreed with him on somewhat on fiscal responsibility, which I'm not sure uh, that I could really say he's for fiscal responsibility anymore. But Mike DeWine has always been in favor of these um, uh, these cameras that they're putting up all over the place, facial recognition software, and uh, which I think is a danger. To uh, it gives the government uh, more power. I'm not in favor of giving the government any more power, but Mike DeWine has never been a liberty candidate. He's never been a liberty governor. Uh, it was the red flag laws that he supported after the, especially after the Dayton shooting, and and it's a tragedy. This Dayton shooting was a tragedy, but uh, the people who are going to be penalized isn't the shooter. The people who are going to be penalized are the law-abiding gun gun owners yeah. and, um, uh, and, and people who aren't guilty of anything if their firearms are seized. So, uh, so um, yeah, so Joe Blystone, everything I've read about him, I met him at the popcorn festival and we talked for a little bit. Uh, I, I believe that what he's doing is, uh, is important and uh, I'm going to support him. I'm also going to support Mike Gibson for Senator. I think of all the senatorial candidates. Uh, and Josh Mandel seems to be kind of a, a good guy. Um, and, uh, but, and Jim Renacci uh, doesn't seem to, to be too bad for governor. But uh, I think Blystone is is more liberty-minded. Um, and so, yeah, but uh, Mike Gibson over, over, I don't know who else is running with Jane, mm-hmm. Josh Mandel and Jane Jane Timken and so several others, but uh, those are that. That's who I plan on supporting. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, the mask mandates. Um, you know, one of the things we keep hearing from politicians and the media is we have to follow the science. We have to follow the science. There's never been any science on these mask uh, on these masks that these surgical masks that are being sold in drugstores and gas stations, you know, you buy, pick up a pack of 10 for, or let alone the masks that people are making themselves. Uh, the virus that is out there is much smaller than, than the, uh, masks are able to filter out. And, and so it's kind of like putting up a chain link fence, uh, to keep mosquitoes out of your yard. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's not, it's not designed to do that. What those surgical masks were designed to do was when you're over a patient and you've got him opened that you're not spitting into him or, you know, uh, uh, breathing directly into him and you're not, it's, it, it's, it's fairly good for, uh, you know, germs, but, uh, but not for a virus. It just, it doesn't work. It, that's not what it's designed to do. So, if you notice Marion City Schools that has had a mask mandate since they started, um, COVID is ripping right through Marion City Schools. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that have had kids out of school because their kids got COVID. COVID. Uh, so you're not going to stop it with masks. And and I don't think you're going to stop it anyway. I think that, uh, what, you know, these... Uh, uh, vaccines they call them vaccines not really vaccines they're basically the vaccine that that, that's been developed is a therapeutic if you get covid it's supposed to alleviate the symptoms it's supposed to keep you from getting it too bad Uh, but people who take the vaccine are still spreaders there's as much um there's as much viral load in the nasal passages of fully vaccinated individuals as there is in unvaccinated individuals. So if we're asking, is this, is this vaccine doing the job? Um, it depends on what, what you think the job is. If you think the job is preventing or, or creating herd immunity, which that that's how it was sold, then it's not doing that job. Uh, it may be helping you if you get the disease itself, but, but here's where uh, we have really dropped the ball. 
um, on therapeutics. Um, you know, I know that, uh, and and these and any kind of uh, therapeutic that's been suggested has been roundly criticized. Correct. Well, why is it being roundly criticized? I can't say for sure, but it's awful suspicious that that what the media and what government officials are saying happens to be what will bring the the drug companies the most benefit. Yeah. Selling this vaccine, this is this the vaccine is being sold by corporations, and um, it hasn't done the job that it was that it was sold to do, and uh, and yet we we still for some reason we can't back off of it. We can't back back off of these mask mandates. Um, children who get who get COVID are f- far less likely to have a bad case of it. Uh, throughout the whole pandemic, four hundred and 80 children have died during the pandemic. And uh, so, and, and, uh, and by the way, going back to these vaccines, uh, more people have died after the vaccines were released than before the vaccine was released. So I don't know what that is supposed to mean, but because the vaccine was supposed to provide herd immunity. And I think the only thing that's going to provide herd immunity, ultimately, the only thing that's going to provide herd immunity is when people actually catch the virus and their body learns to deal with it. I had, my wife and I had COVID back in, in December, we had fairly mild cases of it. Um, I'm, I'm a severe asthmatic. I never was short of breath. I had kind of a rattle in my chest. My wife lost her sense of taste and smell. We were very fortunate. I have friends that, uh, Robert Landon, the auditor, uh, was, was in the hospital for two weeks and on, on the highest amount of oxygen. I thought they, they thought they might have to put him on a ventilator. Uh, not to, to spill the details of his of his uh, uh, medical condition, but uh, that's just uh, what the facts were. And I know several others that have had been in similar situations. Yeah. Uh, my, I have a cousin who lost his wife about uh, two months ago to COVID down in Louisiana. So I know it's bad, uh, but... Uh, I think we have to question if we're going to actually follow the science, um, then we can't uh, let these propositions being um, suggested by the media and by the government go unquestioned. We have to ask ourselves, okay, well, what did they tell us it would be? And if it didn't turn out to be that way, then it's not science. All right. There you have it, folks. (laughs) That is... uh... That there is your answer for that, um, Brett Cornelius. Everyone, I want to thank Brett for um, for coming out and, and coming on the show today. I, I very much appreciate it. Um, like I said, you are the first. Hopefully, I'll, I'll have some more here before the election next month. We we were also joined in the middle here with uh, <laughs> with Blue, my old basset hound. Here, most people hear him on my podcast rattling around, but uh, he decided to join us as well. He was intrigued. <laughs> so that is the show today, folks. Again, Brett Cornelius running for Marion City Council at large. Um, you can find Brett at uh, if you want to, you know, go onto Facebook. He's got his own Facebook page. Are you are yes. you anywhere else? Brett Cornelius for City Council at large. I, I have an email address. Uh, if you want to call with a question or suggestion, my email address is Cornelius for the number four Cornelius for Marion at gmail.com but i'm on facebook at brett Cornelius for city council at large there you have it folks uh plenty of plenty of information there you you can you can find him at uh you can talk to him ask him questions um but we hope everyone that's listening or is in the vicinity to listen here from marion if you're undecided you get down to the polling stations Cast your vote for for Brett here. It seems like he's got a, a pretty good knowledge of, of what he wants to accomplish here for the city of Marion. Um, he has my vote, folks. Um, so like I said, if you're an undecided voter, if, if you've got your own political party, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, if you're sitting in the middle. Again, I always stress this to everyone in my audience. I don't care if you're running for city dog catcher. You have to start from the bottom up, folks, to change things for the better, even if it's at a local level. Um, And I stress that. It's not always about the characteristic of the individual. 
people need to start looking at each candidate, what they're promoting in their campaign, because that efficiently is what's going to, you know, it's going to have an impact on you. It's going to have an impact on rather the local level, the state or the federal level. So just remember that when you're voting for someone, take a look. You know, Brett brought in a pamphlet at my front door here about three weeks ago. I, I didn't, I knew nothing about Brett. <laughs> and just from what I read on those three key points on his flyer that he was going to leave at my door, um, it caught my attention. So again, pay attention, um, get out there, look at the information, make a, a good logical um, decision on what you want for the city of Marion or at, for any election at that matter. So again, I would like to thank my guest again, Brett Cornelius. Good luck to you, sir, on your campaign. Thank you. I, I, I hope to hear success here next month. And this has been another episode of Political Theater with Charles Nash. And again, like I say, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, uh, Rumble, Spotify, Anchor, iHeartRadio. The list goes on and on. Uh, leave your messages. Um, write a brief detail. It doesn't even have to be political, folks. It can be over anything you want to discuss. We'll, we'll talk about it. So again, I want to thank every one of my listeners. Um, and we'll be back with another episode here within the next couple days starting on Monday. So again, thanks everybody. Have a great afternoon.